Welcome to this episode of the My Faith Votes podcast. I'm Jason Yates. I'm the CEO of My Faith Votes. I'm really glad you're here with me today because I'm talking with a great leader, a man who is leading an organization called Promise Keepers. You know, we love to partner with organizations that are helping achieve our vision of seeing God honored in the public square. And that starts with each of us individually, how we lead ourselves, how we lead our families, how we take responsibility in our churches and our communities. And that's what Promise Keepers is doing. They're challenging men to step up and lead well in their families, churches, communities, and their jobs. So be encouraged as you listen to this, be inspired. I know you will as you listen to Ken Harrison's story of how God led him to bring a resurgence back to Promise Keepers. Thanks for joining us. Ken is leading the charge, and I want to welcome you, Ken, to this, um, just to have a conversation about what's going on in our culture today and how, as men, we can engage and and um, and make a difference. And I just want to thank you, man, for being here. It's a pleasure. Um, I got to know you uh, earlier this year. Um, we met in Dallas. We had lunch together. Uh, we've been at a couple of events together. And it is just a thrill to be able to say that My Faith Votes and Promise Keepers are partnering together to engage in this endeavor, maybe from different angles and different um, strategies. But we're both in this together. And I'm just thrilled that you're here and we're having this conversation here tonight. Well, we had lunch together, but Chad Hennings was sitting next to me. Yeah. And so there was no more room left in the booth. And so he was pushing me out of the booth. He's a big guy. 6'6", <laughs> six, six, well, 290 pound ex-defensive tackle. There wasn't really room for two of us in that booth. Well, that was an honor to meet him as well. And uh, I, I got to learn a little bit about his history and his past. So um, we're just thrilled, man. I, I, I seriously remember being on the mall in Washington, D.C., where men, for as far as I could see, were bowed down, prostate, uh, worshiping God, seeking repentance. And um, that was meaningful. That was really powerful. Um, I think there's a lot of guys who miss that and some of that that's been going on. Tell us a little bit about kind of take us back to, you know, how Promise Keepers got started and, and where it is today. And we'll talk a little bit more and a little bit about what just happened this weekend, too. Yeah, it was an explosion. Uh, Coach McCartney of the University of Colorado Buffaloes, who won the national championship in 1991. Uh, in 1990, he was driving down the road with Dave Wardell from uh, FCA, talking about what they'd like to do. And, and Coach McCartney said, I'd like to get NFL stadiums full of men. And Dave Wardell said, well, I'd like to disciple men. And yeah. so they had their first gathering in 1990. I think it was 2,500 guys or so. Uh, in 1991, they met in a basketball arena at University of Colorado. And then in 92, they filled the football stadium and exploded from there. And so by the time it got to when you were there, 1.4 million men on the mall in Washington, D.C., the biggest event in the history of Washington, D.C., that, by the way, is the template for how an event should go, because every time they have an event in D.C., who no matter who it is, they end up with literally tons of trash. Uh, when they, when Promise Keepers left, the biggest event ever, there was not a gum wrapper left on the ground. The men had completely picked up after themselves. 
And there's a giant picture of it when you walk into the Park Police headquarters in D.C. of that event you were at as the perfect Washington, D.C. event. It's a real testament to Promise Keepers and what happens when men of God get together. It was incredible. And, and I think every man was handed a New Testament Bible at that event. And what an amazing thing to just spread the word of God um, and to focus on uh, you know, the power of his word and be able to distribute that broadly because those men, I'm, I'm sure that they came from all across America, but I'm sure there were men from all over the world there that day as well. But bring us up to speed. So we are now in 2020. That was in the 90s, right? So where is Promise Keepers today? And we were all painfully aware that we're in 2020. I think this will be the biggest New Year's Eve celebration ever this year when this year's over <laughs> but um now we had, we just had an amazing event so two and a half years ago promise keep first was really about to be closed and in fact i was the one who's going to close it I, I didn't uh have any intention of bringing back promise keepers uh they had asked me for some help to come in and when i saw what was going on um just that it had you know it had violated what neil young said it's better to burn out than fade away it just mm -hmm. faded away and so I actually brought it into the foundation, Waterstone Foundation, which I run as well. And that's when the Lord let me know, hmm, we, this is what I've been planning on doing all along. You're bringing this back. And I, I really kicking and screaming um, against his will brought Promise Keepers back because I knew the amount of work it was going to be. But all that came to fruition last weekend. We did a virtual event. We called it the Promise Keepers Virtual Experience. Um, it was three hours on Friday night, four hours on Saturday. We had, I mean, a who's who of Christian speakers and celebrities, uh, you know, singers really was an amazing event. We've got just overwhelming positive uh, feedback right now from our numbers. It looks like somewhere between 750,000 and a million people watched that event globally. Uh, people were watching in 65 different countries. You know, there's only 191 countries in the world. So that's an amazing thing. We had, we were linked with prison fellowships. So many felons watched across America, several military bases watched across America. And so we're gonna be making that, that was a free event and we're gonna be making that content live and we're probably gonna have an encore presentation in about five or six weeks. So, you know, say that now we gotta nail that stuff down, but I think we're gonna be able to do this again in five or six weeks, show the event, maybe a little bit shorter version of it, just so that the people who missed that will have a chance to see it because the word of mouth is so positive. I want to get into a little bit of the event itself, but I also want to take you because you, you and I, when we met and had lunch, you shared with me that story of how you brought, you were bringing Promise Keepers back. Um, I'd like you to share a little bit more about that because you, you talked about this stretch of road, right? Um, mm -hmm. And how that's a pretty special stretch of road. Talk a little bit about that and what God's been doing there. Yeah, I'll give the, the longer version in a in, in cliff note version. And so I had actually retired. I was a Los Angeles policeman back earlier in the 90s, uh, became very successful in business, sold my company and had retired in 2014, excuse me, 2012. And in 2014, the Lord came to me in a really vivid way um, as I was praying in my closet. I mean, I find that God really speaks to us when we just really seek him uh, with everything in us. And as I was seeking him with everything in me, uh, all of a sudden, and he's never come to me like this before since this was a one-time event, but he said, Ken, I did not put you through all I did and teach you all I did so you could ski and hike for the rest of your life, 
which was my plan. Finish raising my kids and ski and hike uh, for the rest of my life. And I said, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, are you willing to be as ambitious for my kingdom as you were for your kingdom? And it came with the stern warning of be careful of your answer. It's going to cost you your life. And I said, I, I don't know. I said, Lord, I, I'm tired and I, I want to, I'm tired of firing people and being sued. And I, I ran a huge company and I just don't want to lead people anymore. And the Lord said, that's okay, but you missed my full blessing. And so I wrestled with him for a couple of hours because I understood I had two choices to go. And the, the inevitable choice was laying down my life and saying all my comfort will go away and I'll end up in the trenches for the rest of my life. And that's of course the road I chose. So years later, and by the way, when I said, Lord, yeah, I will. All I heard from him was, I'll tell you what I have for you when you're ready. And that was it. For two and a half more years, I waited. When Promise Keepers was dropped into my lap, um, I was not in any way ready for it or thinking about the conversation that God and I had had two and a half years earlier. Um, I just wanted to close it, clean it up and move on. I ended up scheduling a board meeting. It took about a month to legally do what I needed to do to close it. I scheduled a board meeting for 10 o'clock in the morning on a Friday, it was like January 27th of 2018, I think it was. And I got a text from somebody the night before, I have to meet you tomorrow morning before that board meeting. Okay, so I met him at a coffee shop that I never go to 40 miles north of where our offices are. And met him there and he convinced me to keep Promise Keepers open. While he was convincing me though, I was like, Lord, this is gonna be a nightmare to do. This is gonna be so much work. And if this is really from you, I really need supernatural, you know, because three hours from now, Promise Keeper ceases to exist. I need supernatural affirmation. And just then, the president, I'm, I'm the CEO of Waterstone, that, that foundation, the president of the foundation walked into that coffee shop 40 miles from his home, our office, coffee shop I never go to. And I said, what are you doing here? And, and he said, well, I have a meeting. and This is weird. What are you doing here? And I said, gosh, would you guys talk about what we've been talking about? And so after that person I met with, talked to John, John looked at me and says, it sounds like the Lord's telling you not to close Promise Keepers. I said, Lord, thank you so much for that supernatural affirmation. That's not a normal thing. And so I jumped in the car and that's when God downloaded the whole plan about how to relaunch Promise Keepers, about how we need to do not massive amounts of stadium events per year, but one stadium event a year, and that we needed a simulcast. It was a key part of the plan. One event per year to gather them in together, simulcasting it globally. Um, center on Dallas, there was a bunch of details that came to me just on the drive down. I, I called the board that when I get back down to the office, say, hey, not only are we not shutting it down, we have this huge vision that we're going to do. I learned a few weeks later when all the original Promise Keepers guys came down to meet with me, and there were a lot of tears and a lot of hugs and a lot of rejoicing, worshiping the Lord. And they told me the story that that drive I mentioned where Coach McCarty was in a car driving uh, with Dave Wardell and they formed the idea of Promise Keepers, they were on the exact same stretch of freeway that I was on between Castle Rock and Colorado Springs, Colorado. And, uh, and in fact, I learned several months later that Randy Phillips, who was the first CEO of Promise Keepers, was driving his car, had a vision, and in that vision he saw men, just as you described it, uh, as, as far as, as the eye could see, um, and he said, Lord, what am I seeing? And, and, and the vision pulled back and there it was, he saw the men of Stand in the Gap and he formed the entire plan for Stand in the Gap on that drive. And he was between Castle Rock and Colorado Springs. It sort of seems like a holy stretch of freeway. 
and the coincidence is even larger because Randy Phillips lives in Austin, Texas, not in Colorado. So he, the odds of him being on that same stretch of freeway where he had that vision uh, is amazing. And so we, we've seen a lot of stuff like that where God is about his business. He's doing something amazing. He's calling us back. Um, the enemy has lured men into this complacency and almost a feeling of helplessness and disempowerment. That's why 80% of suicides committed in America are by middle-aged men. They feel no value. And that's why, you know, what you guys are doing is extremely important because, hey, <laughs> at least let's start voting. And at least let's start voting in an educated manner where we know who we're voting for. So we're here to wake the men up. And one of the first things we're telling them to do is now go vote because they're murdering a million and a half babies a year in this country because you're not voting. Start, start getting involved. Yeah. And I know that uh, we were privileged enough. You, you, um, you shared a video of my faith votes during your virtual event and encouraged people um, to go vote. And I, I read some articles about that. And um, I know you got peppered with some questions about, are you getting political? You know, and the answer was, no, I'm not getting political. We get the same questions as we approach churches, as we approach Christian universities. We don't want to get political. Right. How, how do you respond to that? I know how I respond to it. But when someone says, hey, Ken, is Promise Keepers getting political? Um, what do you say? You ask me how I respond. Uh, not well. <laughs> you know, I ask, you know, people weren't willing to get political in 1936 in Germany either. And the Lutheran Church didn't want to be bothered. And well, it's too bad if you're one of those Jews that they were taking businesses away from and herding into uh, ghettos. Um, so the, the enemy works through people who are deceived. Satan lies to people and gets them to do what he wants. And one of the things they do is change words around. So we, the word political has been changed dramatically. It's leadership. So we have leadership within government, which involves in America politics, but we merge those words together so that Christians get confused. Oh, I don't want to be political. Well, great, don't be political. Get involved in leadership though. And so one of the things we've been calling people to do is Get involved at the most local level we can because we're giving this country away, not in the Senate and the Congress. We rejoice every time we, we take the House or the Senate. We're losing in with school boards because these kids that are coming up today, they don't even understand basic civics. They don't understand our history and our identity as Americans. And so because they're being taught nonsense in their schools. And so we're saying is, hey, if you feel helpless, not just vote and not just vote in an educated manner, but also get involved in your local government, not politics, run for city council, run for the county commission, and for heaven's sake, run for the school board. Both of you have a husband and wife run for the school board and start paying attention to what are they teaching our kids? So um, yeah, my answer to your question when people say that is, you know, that was the very thing the Lutheran church was saying in 1936 in Germany. Don't worry about it, we're gonna be fine, no. They weren't. They were killing pastors a few years later. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, when you think about being political, we're just talking about being intentional, right? It's it's about being obedient and being inten intentional with our faith. And we are called to bring the influence of our faith into the world around us, um, to be salt and light. And 
if we are going to do that, that means getting involved. Um, so, you know, there's a reason why I believe churches should say, go vote. That, that, yes. that Christian schools, colleges, universities should provide tools, resources for their students to understand the civics and understand how to get involved. And many of them are voting for the first time. So they need some assistance and schools should be helping provide that leadership, as you said, and helping those students. Because we know that when students engage for the first time, they become lifelong voters. And so uh, it's incredibly important there. But we also say it's not just about the act of voting. We have a, we often talk and have a formula saying it's about pray, think, and vote. That if we are praying and, and coming before God's throne and seeking his guidance for us, not seeking to just vote along a party line, but to seek and understand how candidates align with a biblical worldview. And that requires understanding of biblical worldview. So that's the think side of things. Do I understand the issues? Am I perceiving them through a, a biblical lens? Am I praying through my choices? And then am I voting? And voting consistently, voting in every election. And so that's our encouragement and how we're trying to equip and help every Christian engage and lead in their particular community. But I'm so glad that you mentioned the local level because everyone right now is focused on this singular election for the president. Mm -hmm. But I think you know there's a lot more elections happening than just that. There's 100,000 elections happening in November. And many of them are at the local level. And we see right now more than ever the impact that local leaders are having on us on a day-to-day -day basis. But a lot of times, even at the school board, it's obvious some of the decisions that a school board is making. And we see that a lot in areas of sex ed, sex ed and you know the curriculums for that. But I think you're absolutely right. It's, it goes a whole lot deeper than that. We need to care a lot more about just issues of civics, issues of history, knowing people knowing truth about our nation. And um, so I'm, I'm just thankful that you're recognizing that um, and speaking into that. Uh, and I'm thankful that you've got an app that you've allowed us to share some resources on. And your app is something that's really helping men engage uh, with each other and in their communities. Uh, speak to that a little bit and what you're trying to do through this tool. Yeah, and before I do, just, just a brief comment on what you were saying earlier. Uh, you know, Francis Schaefer once said that every abortion clinic in America should have a sign in front of it that says, continues to be opened by permission of the church. Um, well, as if there's not a better call, a bigger call out to be voting than that. Um, I don't know what that what is, but yeah, our app, you can get it. You can see it there on the lower third of the screen um, in the Apple Store and the Google Play Store. And it just was launched Saturday. So it is brand new, just came out. The engagement has been awesome already. We're really, really pleased. It's been actually much more vast than we thought. And the participation has been much better, much sooner than we thought. And on that app is 
um, you have some, something for a new believer. If you just become a Christian, what do I do? How do I get started? It's on there. There's also chat rooms where guys can ask other guys questions like, hey, uh, um, what do I do about this? Or I found myself in that situation. Or, hey, I just moved to Wichita, Kansas. Do you guys know of a good church? You know, all those types of things. Um, there's also really great data. There's great sermons. Uh, we've had some some pastors give us sermons that they and we love. And so we put them on there if you're driving down the street and go, man, I really, I really want to learn something about the Lord. You can go on there and find some great content. And then every day there's a, a video devotional um, from well-known guys who are just doing a five-minute preach their heart out to you in an intense way because the idea there is, well, guys are jumping in their car. And we know ladies you know, can, are going to do this too. But since it's promise keepers is a men's ministry, I'm saying men, even though it doesn't have to be men. But guys are jumping in their car and just hit that little devotional and they can get five minutes of really great Bible teaching to start their day or end their day or, or whatever the case may be. So it's a brand new app. Uh, it's pretty easy to use and navigate. It was designed for guys like me who aren't very bright. So I needed it to be really simple. So we made it really simple. So. Well, we appreciate that. And we are thrilled to be able to promote it. And uh, if you're a guy and and you want some great resources, go and download that app. What do they do, Ken? Do they search for Promise Keepers in the App Store? or? Yeah, and you'll see uh, there's one that says Promise Keepers Canada. That's not us, um, although uh, th this should be real simple. There's a new PK logo. It looks like a shield. It's blue and gray. It's real, real simple. Um, I went on there as soon as we announced it, got on my iPhone, and just, and bam, it was on there. We had some issues with the Google stuff because they yanked our approval on Friday right before we aired and announced the app, but then we got it back on Saturday. So now we're all good. But some people on Friday night were discouraged if they had, um, you know, a different kind of phone, but now we're, we're all good. You can get on there and get the app. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit more about some of the content and what was shared at the event this weekend. Um, so I know that, your focus is men, and we both know that there's a real need for men to, well, act like men um, in their marriage, uh, with their kids, in their church. What do you think, um, what makes an authentic man? You know, um... One of the things we're told that, that that gives us a really good hint to that is is when um, we're commanded, men love your wives like Christ loved the church. Well, how did Christ love the church? He was tortured to death for her. Why? The church being the bride of Christ, so that he could present her blameless and spotless before his Father in heaven. And that needs to be our attitude towards our wives and our marriages. Is we lay down our lives and our rights to ourselves so that we can present our bride as one with us to our father in heaven. And so what we're teaching, and I, you know, sometimes I'll see women's faces and we say, we want men to act like men. And of course I'll see some faces kind of change because they wonder, well, what, what does that mean? What do you mean act like a man? Um, in, in my book, Rise of the Servant Kings, I talk about what does it mean to be a man? And one of the hallmarks of being a man is being responsible for what is in your sphere. So the Bible says that the man is the head of the house. What does that mean exactly? It means that if there's things wrong in your marriage, then what you need to do first is look and say, what's wrong in me in this marriage? How do I need to change to make this marriage better? If there's something wrong with your kids, 
what do I need to change to make my kids better? Then I can start looking at, and how do we do things? But what a man doesn't do is say, what's wrong with her in our marriage? What's wrong with those kids in our marriage? Because a man understands that he's responsible for his household. And I know a lot of guys hear that and they get upset sometimes with me. My son said to me one time, dad, it's a good thing that you're so big because the things that come out of your mouth, you get beat up if, <laughs> if you weren't such a big guy. And I said, no, son, that's why God gave me a college wrestler for a son so that you could protect me. But um, I, I do think that we need to understand that being a man is being a humble, confident, gentle leader. So we do lead. We, when we see things wrong in our sphere, we say, what am I going to do to fix that? Not what is somebody else going to do or not whose fault is it? What am I going to do to fix that problem in my community, in my household? And it always circles us back to what you guys do, because for the amount of men sitting around watching Fox News and complaining, we need those guys voting. Because I was just talking to a political operative down in Texas, a well-known guy, I won't say his name. But he told me that their studies show that there are 60 million truly evangelical Christian voters, potential voters, 60 million. Of those, 40 million are registered to vote. And of those, 20 million vote. So you think about that. One third are voting. Two thirds are not even interested enough to go down and fill out a ballot to save the lives of unborn babies. And of course, I keep mentioning that's not the only issue, but that is the overriding issue. I was asking a TV interview uh, once. The guy said to me about abortion and whatnot. And he said, let me just ask you a question. He thought he had a, a, a gotcha question for me. He said, if you had a candidate whom, with whom you disagreed on everything, and yet he was pro-life, he was willing to, to save the lives of the unborn, and you also had a candidate who agreed with you on everything, every political issue that you're passionate about, but he was pro-abortion, who would you vote for? And I said, the one who, who would save babies. He said, how can you say that? And I said, because if I take every issue there is politically and I stack them up, they don't even come close to the murder of the unborn. And he didn't have anything left to say about that. So I'm really passionate about the unborn. And we have promise keepers, by the way, we're not taking that issue on from a political standpoint. We're taking it on from a responsibility standpoint, how I answered your question earlier. So we're saying, listen, first of all, men, we don't cause unwanted pregnancies if we're following Christ because we only have sex with our wives in marriage. But if we do sin and we do cause an unwanted pregnancy, then we commit to staying and raising that child. We commit to um, physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually, we will be with that mom to raise that child to get her to choose life. Because right now we can't fix what the Supreme Court did, but we can fix what we're responsible for because we know that at least 55% of, of abortions happen because the man took off and the woman felt alone. Yeah, when we think about um, levels of authority in our lives and governance, you're talking a lot, a lot about responsibility, but it's also about governance. And when I think, and Tony Evans, Dr. Tony Evans talks a lot about this. He wrote a great book that we've shared in the past uh, called How Should Christians Vote? And in there, he describes different levels of authority, and he starts with self. There is self-governance, and then there's governance and authority of the family, governance and authority of the church. And then outside of all of that comes governance 
an authority of the government, um, the public government. And it all starts with self-governance and how we choose to be responsible in our own lives, how we choose to live righteous and just lives or not. And, and then it goes up from there. And as each level abdicates responsibility, the next level starts to fill in. And so I see, you talk about your son and I've got a 13 year old son. And one of the things I, I, I mean, it's a struggle, right? I, I, I met your family. I can't remember how old your son is, but having a 13 year old is tough these days. Um, it takes intentionality to really engage with him because there are so many other forces trying to engage with him in different ways that aren't good. And, um, and I know that if I'm not doing it, someone else is filling the void and I can't abdicate that responsibility. A lot of people, and I think there's a lot of men that want to say, Oh, the church, you know, the youth group, they'll, they'll, they'll teach them about the word of God. They'll teach them right and wrong. And as long as I've got him going to church, going to youth group, that's good. But I know, and I've seen, and I know, I know you know this, that's not good enough. Um, we've got to be more engaged, more intentional, more responsible for what we've been given authority over. We're responsible for our family. We're responsible for what they're learning. We're responsible for their spiritual health. And uh, we don't get to give that away to somebody else. And if you think that the youth groups of most churches in this country are teaching your kids everything you want them to know, you're sadly mistaken. The days of us being able to drop our kids off at any old church and expecting them to be hearing the word of God are over. There are some good churches out there, but um, the, there's a big number of churches out there that are not teaching God's word, that are not standing up for what's right. And, uh, and by the way, you're not the only one dropping your kid off at that youth group. It's all the other dysfunctional people dropping their dysfunctional kids off at the youth group, too. And so even for good churches, they're overrun with dysfunction and kids who desperately need help. And so it is on you, men and women, to be teaching your kids God's word, to be responsible for what they know. And, uh, and by the way, we talk about running for the school board. One of the biggest ways that we can help to counter that is by making sure that our kids are learning the right stuff. And so for my sons who are 19 and 22, my daughter's uh, soon to be 25, um, for all three kids, when they came home, what did you learn in school today? What, what, what's going on here? What's going on there? Let's look what the Bible has to say about that. And one of the things I say about that is in order to do that effectively with your kids, you actually have to know the Bible. And so one of the most important things that a parent can do is to be reading God's word and to know it, not to win arguments, but to, to come to God's word every day with a fresh perspective and say, Lord, what, what, what do you have to teach me today? Today, make me a little bit more like you. Today, change me and mold me and make me more like Christ. And sometimes that can be hard because growing is always through pain. I mean, if you want to get in shape, it's painful. If you want to learn something, it's painful. And so why would we expect the Christian walk to be any differently? So let's come before the Lord in prayer, um, petitioning him studying his scripture and understanding that part of 
the, the lie that we've gotten as Americans is that we're supposed to do whatever we can to make ourselves as comfortable as we can at every moment. And God says, no, you want to grow in me, lay down your rights to yourself, pick up your cross, your torture instrument and follow me because um, that's the way to joy. The narrow road is how we have joy as human beings because that's where growth is. But for those who, who spend all their time seeking their comfort, you're not going to grow in Christ. You're not going to grow as a person. And so, um, uh, yeah, I think I've answered your question. It's, it's really uh, irresponsible for our kids and what they're learning. Yeah. And so we've been talking a lot about men. Uh, we talked a little bit about marriages and fatherhood. But uh, when you think back to your event this weekend, you had multiple hours on Friday, you had uh, multiple hours on Saturday. What was one of the highlights for you? What, what was uh, highlight and or the one of the most impactful moments? You know, I think the end of Friday night, and, and by the way, people will be able to see this again. So if you're hearing this, you're going, gosh, I wish I could be there. It, it will be available to you again. But um, the Steve Berger sermon on repentance was unbelievable. We got on his knees with people all over the world repenting and, and calling in with their sins. It was just so amazing and reminding people that Christ accepts you how you are. You don't need to clean yourself up to come to him. You just need to come and he will pick you up and say, this is my son. And uh, the other one, you mentioned Tony Evans. Uh, he kicked off Saturday morning, his son, Jonathan. And you know, by the way, you talk about a man of God, Tony Evans' kids are unbelievable. I mean, Jonathan, who, who he and I become friends, uh, Priscilla Shire is his daughter, if people yeah. don't know that, and Anthony Evans, great godly kids. He preaches a sermon on, on Saturday morning portion that's just absolutely outstanding too. So I'd say those, and then the music, of course, because Michael W. Smith and Danny Gokey, and I got to know those guys really well. And I'll tell you what, they are the real deal. They are godly men. They're not just talented musicians. They really love Jesus. Yeah. We got to meet Danny. We um, sponsored the Dove Awards this last year. It was their mm. 50th anniversary for the Dove Awards and got to spend a little time with Danny and some other artists. And uh, it's, it's really great to see um, these artists who um, are genuine, are authentic, and um, are also supportive of My Faith Votes and, and helping us along the way and, and giving voice to what we're trying to do because they recognize too that, you know, it, there are, you mentioned it earlier, right? The number of millions of Christians that aren't voting. And uh, we've shared similar numbers as you have. And the fact of the matter is, you know, there is a huge percentage. Um, it's it's probably about one in three Christians that are not voting. And, uh, you know, I, I talk a lot about, can uh, Galatians 6, chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of Christians that are growing weary, that they think about what's going on and they hear it through a political lens and they're growing weary of the conversation. They're, they're growing weary of all the divisiveness. And, and so they're choosing to bow out. They're, they're saying, you know, I, I don't want to deal with all this divisiveness. It's, it's not what I want in my life. And therefore I'm going to choose to ignore it and and uh, step away from it instead of engaging 
and doing something about it. And Galatians 6.10 or 6.9 tells us not to grow weary, right? Uh, and Galatians 6.10 says, um, do good. As we have opportunity, do good. And as we vote and vote for school board, as we vote for our governor, as we vote for judges, we have an opportunity to bring the good of who we serve into the public square. And that's the way I look at it, that we have an opportunity. And the verse says, do good to everyone, but especially those of the faith. And I think that's really applicable because as we bring the influence of our faith and we vote for our values, we are bringing the good of who we serve to everyone, but also to those of the faith. And, and religious liberty, religious freedom is really under attack right now. Um, there, there are, um, it's an issue in addition to the life issue to be uh, aware of and probably concerned about. And uh, so as we do good for everyone, but especially those of the faith, when I think about that, I'm looking for people who are going to defend the preborn, that are going to defend my religious liberties uh, and allow me the freedom to share and, and share my faith and worship. Uh, and we see that under attack um, today uh, with all the rulings we're hearing even just recently where Nevada, a church was told that they could not gather beyond a maximum of 50 people, whereas casinos can have tons of people and people out in the streets and in Las Vegas and such. So double standard for sure, um, but it's under attack. You know, we're not nearly angry enough about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, George Soros is throwing a lot of money into races and we should pay paying attention to where is he putting his money? And he's been putting a lot of his money into electing corrupt DAs, district attorneys. Mm. And the reason is because a district attorney can do what he did to my friend, Judge Vance Day in Oregon. Yeah. Um, a district attorney can file charges against somebody. They doesn't need a whole lot of evidence and he can run that person down. And that person has to spend all their money and time defending a, a false accusation. And then they can get all the way down to the jury trial. It costs them a million dollars, Judge Day, to defend himself. And then they go, ah, I guess we don't have a case. That's the way they're using to, uh, to persecute Christians right now. You look at this couple in St. Louis who stood outside their house when the news has not been accurate. When those protesters came through private property, knocked their gate down, were walking in front of their house, and they stood there with guns completely within the law, and the DA filed charges against them and tried to go after them. Now, the only thing that saved them was there was a good attor uh, attorney general over the state of Missouri who said, yeah, we're not doing that. But if they hadn't had a good attorney general, if they had had a corrupt attorney general like Judge Day did in Oregon, uh, different story. So we better start paying attention. They're getting DAs in who don't care about the rule of law. They hate religious liberty. They hate God. And they're going to go after Christians. And so we, start, we need to start paying attention. And the, the question I was going to ask you, Jason, is how do we know 
you know, we get our voter guide and we show up and it says school board, it says these judges, and it may say someone's running for the DA. But how do we know who these people are? Because a lot of times we have some idea, we get a voter guide on who's running for Congress or Senate, whatnot, but we don't, we don't know who these people are, these judges. And a lot of times we get some really awful people into good communities because the people in the community didn't know how to educate themselves on who to vote for. How do they get, find out more? Well, it's, it's a great question. And it's not an easy one to answer either. Um, because as you, as you know, as you get down further you know, on the ballot, it's harder to even know who's on your ballot and what they stand for. Um, I mentioned to you earlier, Ken, that the judges, I think, are the toughest because there's little information and to really do research around how a judge, judge rules on things is really difficult. The, um, I think in many cases, the best uh, that someone has is where you've got partisan judges and and that's a that's a thing in certain states judges have some judges in certain states have to run along party lines and so you can make some inference around what they stand for based on what party they represent not that at my faith votes that we encourage people to, to, to simply vote along party lines but that is a piece of information it's a a source for you to know um, and judge uh, how you're going to vote. But otherwise with judges, it's, it's limited information. But I will say this in answering your question. My Faith Votes provides an online voter guide. It will be available in September that covers all 100,000 elections that are wow. happening across the nation. Uh, again, it's still gets a little thinner down lower, but I don't know of other organizations, Christian organizations that are providing the depth of mm -hmm. information that we are. Now, there's a lot that are providing down to state level legislators and things like that, but we are working with volunteers to, um, there's, there's some people that are doing some great work at a local level to understand the the um, candidates and who's running and we're inviting them in to provide us some information to um, augment the voter guide that we have and the more people we can do that the better uh, so it's not a perfect tool but it's certainly something that i think is a great resource uh, and i i don't say that just because we're providing it i do think it's an incredible resource that's um, probably um, it's, it's one that you could go to another organization that is not a Christian organization, maybe the League of Women Voters. But I think a lot of Christians are going to question the, the information that's represented there, how it's presented, the bias, etc. If there is any, I'm not suggesting there is, but there potentially could be. And so we're, we're just inviting people into a resource that we're providing that I think they can trust. Um, so I would encourage everyone to go to myfaithvotes.org, sign up to get election information from us. Right on the home page, there's uh, a link to a button to go to our voting assistance center. And that's a great resource right there. And again, the voter guide will be up 
in September uh, that will be a great resource for everyone across the nation. So thanks for asking that and giving me the opportunity to plug our own stuff. As long as I'm plugging other stuff, we just got some great new shirts that say pray and they've got the outline of the U.S. We've also got a number of other shirts that say pray, think, vote. I talked about that a little bit earlier. We got some other shirts that say do good, go vote. We talked about Galatians 610. So I just invite people, if you're interested in a little bit of swag and you want to uh, uh, promote the goodness of going and voting and being intentional with your faith in that way, go to our store. We have a shop on our website and we'd love for you to share a little bit of the goodness of My Faith Votes and what we're trying to do. So um, get behind us in that way. So thanks for doing that. Um, and again, you've got Promise Keepers and, and the app that they've got available to you. Go to your app store, whether it's Android or Apple, download that app, look up Promise Keepers, look for that simple shield that Ken talked about, download that. Be blessed by the resources that are there that enable you to engage with others either directly or just to consume some really great resources. I encourage you to do that. I know I'm going to do it. I haven't done it yet, Ken. I, I admit to you, I haven't downloaded that yet, but I, I do plan to and intend to. So we're going to wrap it up, but I want to give you kind of the last word, right? Everything on news these days is, what's the last word? So I want to give you a last word. How do you want to leave everybody here as they're thinking about um, either promise keepers, as they're thinking about the role of men, if, as they're thinking about maybe these elections? What are, what are some last thoughts on your mind that you want to share? Yeah, you know, the devil wants us to feel like we're defeated. And we know that in the end, Christ wins. And I get, man, I get so much mail. Uh, and some of that mail says, hey, you know, everything's going to go to hell in a handbasket, so why try? Well, gosh, that's not what my Bible says. My Bible says that, yeah, there will be a tribulation and, and something will come someday. But the entirety of the New Testament says, be soldiers, fight for the truth, fight for the oppressed, stand up for justice. Um, also, it says, run, run the, the race of life like an athlete, like an athlete who will not be denied the prize because, yes, salvation is a free gift from God and you did nothing to deserve it. But Ephesians 2.10 says we were all created in, in the image of Jesus Christ, or God for good works. We're going to be judged by what we did with that free gift that he gave us. And so don't feel defeated. Don't give up. There are organizations out there who are not going to let you down, who are going to fight to the end. So vote, vote smartly, get involved in local office when you can. And for heaven's sake, know God's word and uh, stand up for your families, uh, men and women out there. And uh, Promise Keepers is a resource for you, especially for guys if you're feeling discouraged. Even some of the speakers, Jason, we talked about um, careers, how to get a job. We talked about how work is a, is a godly endeavor. And so we're, we're talking about issues from a male point of view. And we, we knew a lot of women were going to watch the event because they were curious. Well, what are they talking about these Promise Keepers things? And I think the women from the feedback we've seen were very pleased with what they saw. So don't give up, guys. Um, keep fighting. We need every believer out there standing up for truth, standing up for what's right, and standing for justice. Well, one of the things that impressed me most about you, Ken, when um, I first met you and every engagement that we've had since, uh, 
you are a man of the word. Um, you know your Bible. Um, it's clear. It's evident. And and that is the foundation from which you operate. And it's just it's great to see. I, I'm I'm in awe uh, in watching you. So um, thanks for being an encouragement to me. And I know that that leadership is is guiding and leading promise keepers. And so uh, that to me is just a huge encouragement for the future of promise keepers because I know it's grounded well. So thanks for leading well Thank you. and taking responsibility. So. Um, Hey, everybody, I, I just want to thank you for joining us here tonight. Again, we've been talking about Promise Keepers. We've been talking about voting. I do want to encourage you, if you are not registered to vote, if you are not equipped yet for what's coming in less than 100 days, get equipped. Go to MyFaithVotes.org, sign up for election reminders for uh, to get the tools and resources when they are available. I talked about the voter guide in September. We have so much information in our voting assistance center. You have no excuse for not voting, not knowing when uh, or how to vote. So uh, we want you to be equipped. We want you to be informed. We want you to be praying for these elections. So please go there, get equipped. Ken, thanks for being here and being a part of this conversation. It's been a joy. Um, and everyone look forward to the replay of Promise Keepers when that comes available soon. So God bless you. Thanks for being a part of this conversation tonight. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast with Ken Harrison of Promise Keepers. He's doing some incredible things and it's all because he is a man grounded in the Word of God. I want you to be grounded in the Word of God and the tools and resources that Promise Keepers is offering to you. Go to your app store, download the Promise Keepers app, and be encouraged every day with the tools and resources that they are offering through that resource. And then if you are not prepared to make a difference in your communities and in this nation through voting, visit MyFaithVotes.org and we will help equip you with everything you need to vote consistently in every election. Go to MyFaithVotes.org today. Thanks for joining us. Be blessed.